Hello, everybody! Welcome back to North Idaho Now. This is episode 186 for November 29th. Chance Watson bring you the news today. This episode is brought to you by the English Funeral Home. The family-owned English Funeral Chapel in Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene has been serving the local community for over 80 years. Their compassionate team and licensed funeral professionals know that each service is as unique as the person or family planning it. They can accommodate your needs with skills and flexibility, create unique and meaningful ways to help you honor the life of your loved one, and help you through one of life's most challenging times with dignity and respect. English Funeral Chapel is now offering aquamation, also called water cremation. Aquamation is a gentle, eco-friendly alternative to flame cremation. Just like with traditional cremation, water cremation is a method of final disposition that reduces the body to essential elements, which are then returned to the family. However, no flames are used during the water cremation process, making it a more natural choice. Originally developed by the Mayo Clinic, this revolutionary process is now available to the general public through English Funeral Chapel. For more information, call 1-208-773-3425 for the Post Falls location or 1-208-664-3143 for the Coeur d'Alene location. You can also visit their website at www.englishfuneralchapel.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Hope you guys had a great weekend. I hope you guys had a great holiday, whether that be Thanksgiving or Black Friday, whichever one, whichever one you guys celebrate more. Uh, I know that there's a lot of Black Friday fans out there. Uh, hope you guys got those deals. Uh, lots of good ones. I even took advantage of a few myself online. Uh, didn't didn't stand in any lines or anything like that, but uh, I definitely jumped on uh, the old the old Amazon app. And uh, found some good deals for myself. So happy to do that. You, you, when you're scrolling through those deals, you're like, oh, man, I don't I don't really need this. But, woo, what a deal. I, I can't pass up on this. This, this, this Look at these garden gnomes. <laughs> just, bicycle seats. Oh, man, I could use a bicycle seat. No, it's that's. <laughs> <laughs> bit ridiculous but yeah no it's it's something like that you know you just you're, you're scrolling through all the the suggested stuff that's on sale and you're like man you know that's that's too good a deal to pass up i, I can't miss that we got i gotta buy that so you throw it in the bin and then uh and then it's like oh and then you've got the little counter that's like hey you know this deal ends in uh you know 36 seconds so <laughs> even though you know it'll just reset again probably uh, that's me just being a conspiracy theorist but whatever um anyways Hope you guys are having a good week so far, getting off of that holiday hangover. Want to remind everybody that if you are enjoying listening to the show, please subscribe to us uh, on any podcast or music app that you guys listen in on. Please tell a friend about us that it's a fun, awesome way, at least that I think anyway, uh, to get your news here locally and uh, and have some fun along the way. You know, it's, it's hard to make the news fun nowadays, and uh, that's something that we here at North Idaho now like to do. So uh, please tell, tell a friend about us and uh, subscribe when you can. Uh, speaking of, you know, I, I wanted to talk about about something that hits. We've talked about it a little bit before on the show. Uh, those who have been longtime listeners of the show know that I am a huge That 70s Show fan. Huge That 70s Show fan. Uh, pretty upset that my uh, my favorite actor from the show at the time uh, is definitely um, not the greatest human being in the world. Uh, he, you know, he, he was the one who had to get off of the ranch uh, because of that. We won't name names here, uh, but did like his character anyway from that show. Uh, just this morning... I finally got to watch the the long-awaited, the long-anticipated trailer for that 90s show. 
uh, bringing back the original actors. In fact, I think the full cast is going to make appearances in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but uh, the main characters, it sounds like, that are going to be consistently there are uh, Red and Kitty. Uh, those those actors are coming back. Um, God, you, you, I watched the – it's just a teaser trailer. It's not very long. Um, the kids seem a bit younger than uh, – well, okay. Let's let's go back here. Like, you know, the the original that '70s show definitely had like the grease factor, where you know the actors are clearly older than the than the characters they're playing. Uh, but okay, but it wasn't too bad. It, it, well, when they got older, it was definitely apparent that they were you know not graduating from high school anymore when they were you know probably in their mid twenties. But in any case, uh, well, except for uh, Mila Kunis, Mila Kunis definitely uh, lied about her age getting onto the show. But that's a, that's a well known fact for the show. Uh, anyway. Anyway, so uh, it it sounds like that this is going to take place around uh, Eric and Donna's kids or kid uh, home for summer vacation or something like that, going to visit their grandparents, uh, Red and Kitty, still in the same house it looks like, um, even though if I remember correctly, the show ended with them trying to move to Florida. Maybe maybe I'm misremembering that. I tried, I tried to forget about the last season of that 70s show. It was pretty bad. Um, but yeah, it looks so far. Uh, the jokes look pretty good. Uh, they still have the circle uh, for those people who understand that. Um, it looks it looks pretty good. Um, it, they might be leaning really hard into the nostalgia of it. Um, the basement set looks almost identical, like it hasn't changed. They probably will play off of that. Like it just nobody's been down in the basement since uh, Eric and the gang left. So maybe they're going to play off of that. But the humor looks the same. Uh, the kids that they're bringing in. I, I'm just curious how they're going to adapt to the 90s. You know, like we've got, we already have this like set canon of how Red and Kitty and everybody acted in the 70s. I wonder, you know, and a part of the 70s was like they they leaned real hard into the nostalgia of the 70s. I think that's how they got a lot of audiences uh, doing that. So I'm curious of how they approach the nineties, like how, like, are we just going to get pogs references every five seconds? Are we just going to, you know, it's, it's constant Nirvana references. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how they do that. Um, but I, I hope they do it in a tasteful way because I was a, a huge fan of that 70 show and well, I'm hoping for the best planning for the worst, because nowadays it seems like when they, when we try to resurrect shows, um, Boy, it just doesn't seem to work out quite that well. Um, I think Arrested Development uh, was the was the first real big swing and a miss for Netflix when they're trying to resurrect a series. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that uh, that that '70s shows um, uh, sequel, I guess you could put it. Actually, that's not true. Fun fact: there was a that '80s show, uh, but it was it was pretty terrible, and it didn't have any of the original cast. They were just kind of trying to capitalize on on the popularity of that '70s show. It didn't go very far. Kind of like the Joey Show with Friends. I I would guess is probably the best is the best way to put that. Where Joey got his own spinoff. Um, but yeah, really excited about that. God, there's there's just a lot of things that. Uh, I've been looking forward to in terms of movies and uh, in terms of hell, even video games. We won't go into that. Um, and just just in general, there's some good. I, hey, shout out to the uh, USA soccer team. That's right. That's right. I called them soccer. It's a soccer soccer team in the World Cup right now. Go USA. They beat beat Iran today. one nothing. And uh, going off to the I think they're calling it. I think it's called the knockout round. Um 
at least that's what I've seen on – I'm not going to sit here and claim to be a soccer expert. But uh, anyways, uh, while it is short, you know, I'm not I'm not expecting Team USA to, to win the whole thing. Uh, a lot of talented soccer – that's right, again, I said soccer. That's right. Any Anybody who – if I have one – if we have one listener overseas, they're, they're immediately unsubscribing from this show uh, because I have now insulted uh, the great game of football. Uh, but in any case, uh, not worried about it because uh, USA is awesome. The, the team USA uh, was able to pull off a win. Uh, moving on to the knockout round, uh, always like to see them do well in uh, the World Cup. Everybody, be, you know, it's like when the Olympics comes on. You could you, 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 all all the other days of the year, you could care less about you know beach volleyball or uh fencing or anything but when the when the olympics comes on you're the biggest you're, you're gonna root for every single player on that team because that's that's what you do in the olympics so uh kind of borrowing from that i I'm, I'm definitely leaning into the idea of uh rooting for team usa throughout the world cup um pretty excited don't know if i'll watch a, a single game maybe maybe if it's on a tv that i'm i'm near to I'll, I'll sit down and watch a little bit but uh when it comes to sports i'll i definitely stick with my hockey uh go kraken they're on a i think a five game win streak that's uh, pretty good. They're doing they're doing good for a team that's only two years old. Um, pretty pretty solid work on that front. So uh, hey, if you're just a casual hockey fan or even just looking to be a Seattle sports fan, uh, now's the time to jump on the bandwagon. Uh, it's still early. There's still time. You can jump on before they get successful. Uh, because if they do well, then everybody's gonna oh well uh, of course you're good you know because they're, they're successful now. No, there's still time, folks. You can still jump on the bandwagon if. So Joe's. All right, folks. Uh, without further ado, let's first jump into we've got it uh, once again an interview with Megan Johns with the Idaho Transportation Department. Today we're talking about uh, you know the few construction projects that are still going around around along North Idaho, and uh, hey, all those winter driving tips as well. Because uh, I don't know if you know this or not, and we'll even talk about it here later in the show. But uh, that white stuff is on the ground and it's not going anywhere any time soon. So without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Megan Johns. Megan, welcome back. Thanks, Chance. How are things in the Idaho Transportation Department world? Well, you know, we are officially shifted into winter mode. So we're gearing up this week. If anyone has missed the forecast, get ready for some snow. Yes, absolutely. We're getting lots of warnings on that. What does winter mode for the Idaho Transportation Department look like? Well, you really see a shift the focus from like construction projects to operations and keeping highways open. And so it's two sets of groups at ITD that work very hard, of course, year round. But winter is the time to shine for our operations folks. And that means getting our equipment ready, getting our new hires trained up so they can operate the equipment we need them to. And then watching the weather and being prepared and making a plan to fight each and every storm. Gotcha. And what's what you know, so let's uh, we always talk about construction and whatnot on I-90 and Highway 2, you know, the major the major stuff that you guys follow. Uh, what is what does the plan look like when you guys are having to constantly maintain those those main uh, those main roadways? Yeah, so the plan usually involves looking at the weather coming in. You know, we'll use different products at different times under different weather conditions, and they're all forms of salt. Some of it's liquid salt, some of it's solid salt, and so really just looking at roadway temperatures, air temperatures, what the storm's actually doing versus what it was predicted. And basically, plowing, pushing snow off the road, and dropping some salt to keep ice from forming. 
Gotcha. Okay. So let's. Uh, I, I I think we're firmly almost into winter right now. At least at least the weather is telling us that we are. Uh, do you guys have any open projects that are still going on or shutting down on I ninety or 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 the north south? We do still have a few projects that are lingering. I'd say on I-90, the most noticeable one is going to be the bridges in Kellogg that we were working on replacing. I know everyone's back on their normal side of the freeway, but there's still some drainage work we want to do in the median. So you'll still see some cones out. Over the next month, we may close a lane or two to work on that median. But for the most part, it's done. We can basically celebrate it being done, save for a minor inconvenience here and there. Right. Until, and then you guys will kick it, uh, go to the other side of the bridge uh, later on next year. Yes, I guess I should say done for the season, but yes. not done yet. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's there's a few that have been put on, put it done for wrapped up for the wrapped up for the season. Um, also, still have the reduced speeds in the construction zone in Post Falls near uh, Highway 53 or uh, 41. Well, I don't know that any of the reduced speeds are still in effect. We're in the process of replacing or updating the signage after construction. So I know the contractor has been working pretty hard to get at least temporary signs out for the winter. So I know there is some confusion on Highway 41, especially kind of on the north end by Rathdrum. So gotcha. I would just keep looking for those signs. We're in the process of getting them out, but you do still see some activity. Everyone's racing to finish some miscellaneous items before the winter. Right, right. How about uh, on the freeway there in that area as well? So, of course, we have work on the actual 41 interchange. That is going to continue for the next several years, be done hopefully 2025. The contractor is gearing up to continue as much work over winter as they can. That won't necessarily impact a bunch of traffic, but they'll basically be working on building some temporary bridges, permanent bridges uh, to get traffic carried over and continue during construction next year so we are slowing down at the interchange but the contractor is eager to get as much work as possible done over the winter as well gotcha so folks in that area just just keep your eyes peeled basically yeah yeah and go 55 miles an hour please there you go (laughs) there you go um how about north south North and South are basically only looking at the Granite North project on US 95, and that's really been in the final phases the last couple weeks of finishing up things like getting our pavement markings down, some fencing, some delineators. Their goal is to be done this fall, and I mean, really now it feels more like winter. We'd probably say winter, but some things may continue next spring. We're still waiting to call it final on that one. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. So nothing, uh, sounds like we've basically put a bow on everything, at least for the season, right? Yep. That's my goal. I'm trying to encourage them to get off the road. I'm done talking about construction. Perfect. (laughs) Tired of taking questions about it, I bet. (laughs) Yeah, we're almost there. Once the cones are gone, I'll be off the hook. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so with the snow hitting the ground, you guys are turning to, you know, we talked a little bit about before road, uh, road conditions and making sure that those are clear. Um, one of the trouble spots that uh, have has been here, as long as the passes have been here, the, the, the two mountain passes. Uh, any recommendations or uh, tips for people that are thinking about hitting uh, Lookout or 4th of July? Yes, I would just say anytime you're traveling some distance or especially through rural areas or over mountain passes to check 511 before you go. It's a website, it's a phone number, it's an app on your phone. Just gives you an idea of what those conditions are. We even have some cameras there. 
And to do that, you know, go check it out and then probably decide to plan some extra time for your trip. And I would always say we've seen a lot of serious crashes in the winter that can cause some pretty significant delays. So you need to have things in your car that will keep you warm, safe, and comfortable for up to several hours. It's nothing that any of us want to think about when, you know, when we're taking a trip up to go ski or do something like that. But it is a possibility. Anytime you have winter weather, you're probably going to see crashes. And some of those crashes, especially if they involve commercial vehicles, can end up closing the road for several hours. So we just really want to emphasize being prepared this season. Well, how many times have you and I talked about a crash on, you know, lookout or 4th of July shutting down traffic for, you know, four, five, six, seven hours? Yes, and it really, the hard part is when it's a commercial vehicle that slides off those semis, they take all the lanes when they're sideways on the road. And then, you know, emergency responders have to be able to get to the site so they can clear it. And with all that traffic backing up, it's tough for our people to get through and keep the road open as well. So if you're ever caught in a crash scene like that or stuck in the middle of the freeway and there's no way to go, we just want to emphasize stay in your lane. Do not start clogging up the shoulders. Those shoulders are what emergency responders use to get to crash sites when there's a huge queue and they don't have another way to get there. So I would just say be cognizant that you are leaving room for emergency services or tow trucks to get by. Have you guys dealt with any major crashes yet on either of those passes or or anywhere on the on the main roadways? Yes, earlier, well, it's no longer this month, I think, a couple of weeks ago, probably, we had a couple semis spin out on Lookout Pass. And especially when you have several, you just can't get traffic up and going. And I want to say it closed traffic for seven hours. And that's Ooh. on our side heading eastbound. Ooh. Now, of course, people going over I-90 westbound from Montana, they have their own problems as well. So really, it's already started this season. Be prepared that you could actually get caught in a major closure. All right. I think we should we should close with kind of talking about snow plows and uh, I guess we could say snow plow etiquette, if that makes, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yes. The do's and don'ts of driving around plows. And really, it's a lot of the things we want to talk about are the things you don't do. And that's typically passing. In most instances, the road's always going to be better behind the plow than in front of it. So number one, do you really need to pass? Are you really going to go that much faster if you get in front of the plow? So we always talk about not passing on the right because we have a wing plow that extends from the right side. And that's where most people hit when they try to pass the plow. They just don't realize there's a smaller plow there. So we always want to talk people, don't pass. Give us room to do our work. That means not tailgating either so that if we have to come to a stop, you don't run into the back of us. And other than that, just slowing down. You have to drive for conditions. If you stay in control and everyone does, then it allows our plows to continue moving through and clearing that snow because they'll get caught in the same crash as you guys do. Right. And then that shuts down. I mean, that ruins the road conditions for everybody then. Yes. No, it's a vicious cycle. And really, it just takes one crash. And then you have that buildup and that delay and that queue. And maybe people can or can't get through. So it's on everyone to be prepared for the winter and drive for conditions. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, Megan, anything else you want to throw in there? You know, I just want to, I guess, remind everyone that we have a lot of plow trucks that'll be out over the next couple of days with the winter storm. And so to just really remind people to keep an eye on that weather. Maybe even stay home if they can. 
yes, that's probably what I'll be doing. I might get to work from home the next couple of days. We'll see. <laughs> I'm with the transportation department. The rules might be a little different for me. There you go. There you go. All right, Megan, thanks again for coming on. And, uh, well, we'll see you. We'll see you next month. Sounds good. All right, everybody, time to jump into some Coeur d'Alene Post Falls press headlines, starting with Saturday, November 26th. Headline, Giving Trees. This is by Bill Bewley. There is one day, above all, that Nicole Jacqueline and her mom, Deb Mojo, look forward to more than any other. Not Christmas, not Fourth of July, not Thanksgiving, although that's close. Quote, we consider Thanksgiving as Festival of Trees Eve, Mojo said. It's not even Thanksgiving. Jacqueline added, it's the day before Festival of Trees. The two were among teams decorating trees Friday for the 34th annual Festival of Trees. 18 trees were designed and decked out for the Kootenai Health Foundation benefit. Eight were in the live auction for Saturday night's gala, nine in the silent auction, and one was for the raffle, with profe- proceeds rather going to the Kootenai Health Heart Center expansion. Friday morning, with Christmas music in the background, the final touches were added to the themed trees in the Coeur Resort for that night's Friday Lights. The event was open to the public after going to a virtual format for two years because of COVID-19. Some sponsors decorate their own trees, but most have the foundation bring a design team. The trees all had the usual ribbons, bows, glitter, tinsel, and ornaments, but they also had much more. Gingerbread men, pine cones, and even planets were hanging from the branches, too. They came with gifts to match the themes, including vacation packages, wine, musical instruments, and a telescope. While it's a fundraiser, pride is at stake, and an entrance must complete, compete in nine categories, including Christmas memories, most creative, and spirit of the festival. Brandy Reed was the lead designer and decorator of the tree sponsored by Mountain West Bank. Quote, sugar and spice makes Christmas so nice. I like that. Quote, Christmas is my jam. I love Christmas, she said. Lots of Christmas fans here in this story. It was her second year taking part in the Festival of Trees. Jacqueline and Mojo were working on the, quote, paints and percussions tree sponsored by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Jacqueline Real Estate. They participated in the Festival of Trees for nearly 15 years. Quote, I started out doing it by myself, and Nicole joined me about five or six years later, Mojo said. And ever since, it's uh, it's the thing we look forward to the most the whole year. Mojo, who worked with Kootenai Health for about 10 years said they treasure their time together at the festival of trees yeah these are always really fun uh used to cover one out in shoshone county for quite a while at the courthouse um these are always super cool uh the the ones that i've seen that where people get special themes i've even seen a star wars one uh yeah people get people are pretty creative folks moving on sunday november 27th headline this one's for you healthcare heroes this is also by bill Bewley. For more than two years, healthcare workers have been on the front lines in the battle against COVID-19. It took a toll then and still does today. Quote, it's been hard on everyone, said Lindsay Etchinson. Everyone is tired. We're still going, but it's been hard. This is why Saturday morning's Healthcare Heroes event at the Coeur d'Alene Resort was a welcome boost for Kootenai Health employees and family. Quote, it feels special. We kind of get our own time that's set aside for us, said Etchinson, who works in the neonatal intensive care unit at Kootenai Health. Quote, for everyone to get together, this helps. Etchison, husband Brian, and their children, Jane and Miles, attended the gathering where they enjoyed a visit with Santa Claus. Santa Claus. 
I don't know why I said it like a robot Santa Claus. No, it's just just Santa Claus, folks. Hot chocolate and viewing of the entries in the 34th annual Festival of Trees, as mentioned earlier. About 1,000 people registered for Healthcare Heroes. It was a chance to relax in a peaceful setting, spend time with colleagues outside of work, and kick off the holidays. Kids seemed especially in the Christmas spirit. Quote, as you can see, there's a number of well-sugared and happy children, said Kara Nielsen, president of the Kootenai Health Foundation. Nielsen said the foundation has organized celebrations for Kootenai Health staff in the past, but not since COVID-19 arrived in North Idaho in early 2020. With a chance to bring healthcare heroes back to this year, they did. All, all Kootenai Health staff, doctors, nurses, administrators, and housekeeping were invited. Quote, we want to give a special thank you to every single employee of Kootenai Health for all the hard work they do every day, Nielsen said. Well, that's awesome. Glad the hospital's recognizing those folks. They work hard over there. What is your relationship status with your bank? It's time to go steady with Bank CDA. You want local, you want flexible, you want Bank CDA. To learn more, please visit bankcda.com. All right, folks, jumping into Monday, November 28th headlines. Headline, Standcraft buys North Idaho Maritime. This is by Bill Buley as well. Standcraft companies recently purchased North Idaho Maritime. The move will create Standcraft Marine Construction. Quote, our goal is to continue to advance current services, introduce new products and industry advancements while expanding environmentally friendly solutions, owner Rob Blome said in a press release. North Idaho Maritime, established in 1918, was owned by John Condon. It offers marine construction services including building and repairing docks, stairs, bridges, pilings, and installing riprad and sea riprap rather and seawalls. Love that word, riprap. Riprap. North Idaho Maritime has about 30 employees that will join Stancraft at its Hayden headquarters at 2938 West Dakota Avenue. Stancraft, which has about 200 employees, approached North Idaho Maritime about six months ago, and the deal was finalized last week. The acquisition price was not disclosed. John Condon was the deal, said the deal is a marriage of two of the area's oldest and most respected businesses that provide similar services. Quote, I'm really excited about that, he said. In Condon's 20 years of owning North Idaho Maritime, he said it has gone through its ups and downs. When he took over, the lumber mills were closing, so North Idaho Maritime, quote, invested, retooled, and reinvented to work on some residential development around Lake Coeur d'Alene. The market took a downturn, but North Idaho Maritime survived again. Quote, business is good, Condon said. Now we're on the upturn. He is confident he gave it the be- gave it his best. He believes that under Blum's leadership with Stancraft's resources, North Idaho Maritime will rise to the next level. Stancraft com- uh, Companies is proud of its local involvement. It has built and maintained numerous facilities for public entities on local, state, and federal levels. It has resorted and protected miles of shoreline, removed hazardous pilings and debris from state waterways, and removed tons of contaminated soils from local lakes and rivers. It has also played a role in placing gravel bedding to support fish habitats and has installed nesting platforms for birds. Stancraft has also assisted in the recovery and removal of sunken vessels including train cars and airplanes. Well, that's kind of cool. Stancraft Wooden Boat Company was founded in 1933 at Flathead Lake in Lakeside, Montana by Amy Blum's grandfather, W.H. Billy Young, and his son, Stanley C. Young. Operations began in Hayden in 2003 when Rob and wife Amy moved back to Idaho after being away for 12 years. It expanded in 2018 with Stancraft Jet Center at the Coeur d'Alene Airport where it has a 65,000 square foot facility. 
Although Venture is Stancraft Constitution Construction Group of North, uh, Northern Idaho that opened in August and headquarters in Hayden, the purchase of North Idaho Maritime continues that growth. Well, very cool. Uh, boat, boat enthusiasts are probably excited. I don't know nothing about that, but there you go. Moving on, Tuesday, November 29th headlines. Storms could dump foot of snow. This is unironically by Joseph Snow. <laughs> Uh, come on, Chance. Don't even laugh at that. That's not that funny. Come on. Come on. Okay. Simple puns on this show, though, folks. North Idaho. Plan for a week of winter weather. High temperatures are expected to barely climb to freezing. The National Weather Service in Spokane predicts 5 to 10 inches of snow by Wednesday, with more possible through Friday. Quote, this is a pretty good system coming in, meteorologist Randy Mann said Monday. When you add it all up, it could be more than a foot of snow. Breezy flurries turned to heavy snow Monday and dumped more than 3.7 inches on Coeur d'Alene area by 4 p.m., said press climatologist Cliff Harris. Quote, that brings November's snowfall total in Coeur d'Alene to 12.9 inches, Harris said. The average November snowfall is 8.7 inches. Okay, well, we're, we're getting up there. The National Weather Service predicts a 40% chance of another 2 inches tonight. Quote, it's going to be a miserable week, said Chris Whitman, lead, lead signal technician for the street and engineering department for the city of Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, I can see how why he would think this. Quote, it's a great day to stay inside, he said, while working on a lamppost as huge as snowflakes fell on his back. The temperature is expected to drop to 18 tonight after the daytime temperature is anticipated to barely reach a high of 23, according to the National Weather Service. Layers of ice and snow are expected to continue to snack, stack on the roads throughout the week. Quote, snow's going to pick up tonight, increasing through the night with heavy snow Wednesday and Thursday, man said. We have a series of these storms coming in with a little bit more Saturday and Sunday. Wednesday should warm up with a high of 33, according to the Weather Service, with a 100% chance of snow and wind speeds at 10 to 13 miles per hour. Lovely. Just love that. Quote, I think we'll get at least a foot of snow in the lower elevations, man said, and up to a couple feet in the mountains. Low temperatures will keep snow light and slick, making for hazardous road conditions. After Saturday night's precipitation, road stained wet and froze in the icy temperatures. Monday's added snow made for a slippery commute. Quote, the city's goal this year is to have the entire community plowed within 40 hours, the city of Coeur d'Alene stated on its website. That's an ambitious goal. The clock begins on those 40 hours to clear residential streets after arterials like US-95 or roads that collect traffic and snow like Prairie or Kathleen Avenues have been cleared, said Tom Fusier, director of the Streets and Engineering Department for the City of Coeur d'Alene. Plowing on arterials starts at three inches of snow. Mann said this is going to be a great start to the ski season for people who love snow. Quote, heavier snows will be in the earlier part of winter, he said. I think it's going to be a good skiing season. Mann predicts a series of early December winter storms that will roll and stack into the Idaho panhandle, but some of those storms could warm up. Quote, don't be surprised if it starts to dip into some rain in mid-December, Mann said, but I think we'll have a really good chance of a white Christmas. Oh, there's a lot of people out there that absolutely love that news and some others that absolutely hate it. That, uh, that um, It's just going to have to be how you see it. Actually reminds me, I went to uh, the uh, Numerica-sponsored ice rink in McEwen Park this weekend uh, out there, uh, being a hockey fan and growing up ice skating myself. Boy, that was a really fun time. If you guys, if you guys haven't gone down to the ice rink uh, in McEwen Park, that outdoor rink, there's they got lights in the ice. It's very cool, very cool. I would definitely go down there and check that out. Fun, fun date night, fun place to take the family uh, for for a night out. All right, moving on. Iconic Prairie Barn collapses. This is by Devin Weeks. 
A piece of North Idaho history has fallen. An iconic Rathrum Prairie barn adjacent to a silo and stand of trees on the west side of Highway 41 south of Lancaster Road and next to OK Corral Road finally caved in after years of use and inevitable decay. Wanda McLean, whose grandfather's sister Hattie and her husband Fred Irvin built the farmstead, said the old barn housed farming equipment until just this last spring. Quote, I remember playing in it in the hay, said McLean, who runs Swatchel, Swatchwell Farms on Greensbury Road with husband Wade. Quote, we'd go over there for celebrations and things. Sure, they had livestock in there. It was a farm barn. Farm barn. <laughs> Wanda McLean's family has farmed the Rathrum Prairie for generations. She estimates her aunt and uncle built the barn when they made the homestead in the early 1900s. Quote, after the house was gone, the barn still stood, she said. Community members have adored the barn from afar for years, snapping photos and some even taking pieces of it home with them. Uh, I never did that, but I certainly took some pictures growing up. Uh, started that barn quite a bit growing, driving back and forth. Quote, it makes me sad to even think about it, but we knew it was going down, McLean said. It seems funny. People would take souvenirs. There's little pieces of it missing. Yeah, uh, like I said, um, definitely definitely a fixture of my childhood for sure. Uh, seeing that every time driving up 41, uh, it was kind of a... Kind of a remembrance of the prairie. You know, it was like one of these farm farm type buildings that just kind of stood out on the openness of the prairie and kind of shows uh, where, you know, the roots of Post Falls and where, where it kind of came from. So sad to see it come down. That's uh, definitely, definitely a part of Post Falls and definitely a part of the history of this area. Moving on. Patriot Front members plead, member rather, pleads guilty to disturbing peace. This is by Kay Thornbrew. A man accused of planning to violently disrupt a pride celebration in Coeur d'Alene City Park will serve no jail time after pleading guilty to disturbing the peace. Alexander N. Sistenstein, 27, boy, what a name, of Midvale, Utah, entered a written guilty plea Monday to the misdemeanor offense, which is punishable by a maximum of six months in jail and a $1,000 fine. He was originally charged with conspiracy to riot, also a misdemeanor. Spokane attorney Jason Johnson appeared in court on Sistenstein's behalf. Judge Maley Walsh handed down the sentence recommended by Coeur d'Alene prosecutors, 180 days in jail with 179 days suspended and one day credit for time served, as well as two years of unsupervised probation. Sistenstein must also pay a $500 fine. Okay, so he's going to pay $500. That's about it. In his written guilty plea, Sissenstein acknowledged that he, quote, maliciously and willfully, unquote, disturbed the peace and quiet and quiet of a neighborhood, family, or person by, quote, tumultuous or offensive conduct or by threatening, transducing, quarreling, challenging to a, to fight or fighting. Boy, there's a, that's, that is legal speak if I've ever seen it. Sissenstein was, is among the, Stein rather, is among the 31 members of white nationalist hate group Patriot Front who were arrested June 11th in Coeur d'Alene while on their way to the Pride celebration in City Park. Patriot Front broke off from the neo-Nazi organization Vanguard America after the deadly Unite the Right rally in 2017. The group's manifesto reportedly calls for a formation of a white 
ethnostate in the United States. Police arrested the group just blocks from City Park after a tipster reported seeing a, quote, little army with metal shields and other gear piling into the back of a U-Haul truck. The men wore hats that were reinforced with a hard plastic inserts and carried what police described as tactical medical kits, as well as radios, cameras, homemade shields, and abnormally long metal flagpoles. The group also had a document detailing, quote, call locations, primary checkpoints, drill times, prep times, and observation windows, as well as GPS coordinates for a drop point and two backup plans, according to court records. Uh, when you get busted before you even get there, I don't think you can have backup plans. The document outlined a plan to form a column outside City Park and proceed inward, quote, until barriers to approach them are met. At that point, the column would dis- disengage and head down Sherman Avenue. Sissenstein is the only Patriot Front defendant who has entered a guilty plea so far. Pre-trial hearings for the remaining defendants are scheduled throughout December and January. Coeur d'Alene Chief Criminal Deputy Attorney Wes Somerton has declined to comment Monday on the resolution of the case. He indicated that other cases stemming from the events of June 11th are in different stages in criminal court. All right, everybody, time to jump north for headlines coming out of the Bonner County Daily Bee out of Sandpoint. First headlines from Saturday, November 26th. Headline, Idaho, ho, ho. This is by Carolyn Lobsinger. Nice work, Carolyn. Good good headline there. As hundreds of kids of all ages packed Jeff Jones Town Square on Friday for the city's annual tree lighting ceremony, Santa sent a text. Quote, on my way, had to stop for eggnog, LOL. <laughs> Very clever. As the ceremony's MC, David Keyes, read the text, a trio of anxious youngsters came uh, came up to make sure to ask if Santa really was on his way. They were assured that Santa was en route to the city center. He had to land his sleigh in in a less congested area and was being picked up by Selkirk fire crews who were giving him a lift to town square on one of their fire trucks. Oh, those are some great firemen right there. Firefighters, rather. Uh, Boy. Giving Santa a lift? What a great guy. What what great people right there. As the clock inched closer to Santa's arrival, the number of anxious youngsters lined the sidewalks to shyly wave hello, bundled in winter coats and tucked under umbrellas. Within a few minutes, the jolly old elf himself was stepping out of the bright red fire truck welcomed by excited area youth, and an elf security squad was on hand to ensure everything was merry and bright. For some, the fact that Santa arrived on a fire truck was a much better mode of transportation than if he'd brought Rudolph and the rest of the reindeer crew. From bows and arrows to a football, from board games like Monopoly and Dinosaurs, from classic dolls like Barbie and American Girl, requests ran the gamut for Santa. Some hoped for an electronic game system and hunting game, others hoped for a camera or a phone. Santa also received several requests for kittens and puppies, but told the youngsters that those were harder to make and he'd have to talk to their parents and maybe reach out to the animal shelter. Oh, very clever, Santa. Very clever. Good good answer to the kids. After thanking the children for visiting with him and welcoming him so warmly to Sandpoint, Santa gave each of the children a candy cane and a token for a small ice cream as an early Christmas present. Oh, love that. Love those stories, guys. Those those I'm I, those that's so sweet. I'm getting cavities just reading it to you. Okay? That's <laughs> All right, moving on. Tots Drive aims to make a difference. This is by Carolyn Lobsinger. Riten Cheng and Swali Owas wanted to make a difference. The pair knew two things. Plastic waste is a growing problem, and the cost of plastic filament puts 3D printing out of reach for many in developing countries. 
Chang, who studied in California at the Arts Center College of Design, and Owas, who studied at McMaster University in Canada, were inspired to make a difference. They put their knowledge of engineering, coding, and design to work. By the time they were done, Chang and Owas had created a the polyfo- polyformer. The polyformer, yes. Ooh, I like this. This is a, this is a cool name, the polyformer. A machine that would create 3D printer filament from simple plastic bottles. Okay, this is super cool. Quote, our machine gives discarded plastic a second life by turning them into literally anything. Owas said in a YouTube video about their invention, literally anything. And given that the average person uses 97 plastic bottles a year, roughly two-thirds of which aren't recycled, the invention will remove a growing problem from the waste stream. The cost to make the filament from both the, from the bottles can be done at a fraction of the cost, especially in developing countries. Quote, this is a game changer for places where 3D printer filament is extremely expensive. Owas said in the video, in developing countries like Rwanda, where the pair worked at an e-commerce center, 3D printer filament is extremely expensive, hampering efforts by local entrepreneurs. By the time that filament, purchased in North America at $15 a spool, arrives in Rwanda, the cost has more than tripled to $50 a spool. Boy, that's some markup. The pair said by deploying a polyformer to the e-commerce center, the Rwandans can create their own filament by making it affordable for everyone with a great idea to use a 3D printer. These are super cool. Uh, The invention is simple to use. You simply take a plastic bottle, modify it slightly to make it smooth and round by inflating it and applying heat. The, u- the, the using of a custom bottle cutter mechanism, you can cut the bottle into a strip, which is then fit into the machine. Also wa- wanting to make the world a better place are the Sandpoint Lions. Each year, Lions members, local businesses, and the community partner to raise funds as part of their annual Toys for Tots drive. The club is accepting Toys for Tots applications until December 17th. Applications are available on their website, and printed copies are available at the door at the Lions Club. Located at 609 South Ella. The goal for this year's Toys for Tots campaign is $50,000, same as it been in the past years. The Lions make most of their money by bargain shopping with the assistance of generous local businesses. Today's generous donations total $1,000 as the annual drive kicked off on Thanksgiving Day. If you know someone or need help yourself, the Lions are taking applications for the Toys R Tots program. Applicants are available at Bonner Community Food Bank and on the door of the Lions Den. Donations for Toys R Tots can be dropped off at the front desk at the Bonner County Daily Bee at 310 Church Street from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. You can also drop off donations at Columbia Bank's Sandpoint Branch, 414 Church Street, or at the Ponderay Branch, 300 Bonner Mall Way, and at Ponderay Ponderay Starbucks. Not Ponderoy. Ponderoy is not a real place. Maybe it's the evil twin of Ponderay. Donations may be mailed to the Sandpoint Lions Club, Box 414, Sandpoint, Idaho, 83864. Donations made by check are preferred. Be sure to include a note where your check is indicating that it is Toys or Tots donation. If you wish to make an anonymous donation, please include a note. If the donation is being made in someone's name, be sure to also include a note. For more information, go to the Sandpoint Lions Club or call them at 208-263-4118. The America's gold and silver-owned Galena Mine in Wallace, Idaho, is currently accepting applications for a variety of positions, both above and underground. America's gold and silver offers competitive wages, a full employee benefit package, which includes medical, dental, vision, life, and disability insurance, PTO, 401k, and a pension plan. To apply for the many open positions at the Galena Mine, visit www.americasgold.com forward slash careers. All right, everybody, that takes us into Shoshone News Press headlines for Tuesday, November 29th. 
Headline, NIC Workforce Back in Silver Valley. This is by Molly Roberts. North Idaho College Workforce Training Center has teamed up with Shoshone Medical Center and has and had students completed their certified nursing assistant course in the Silver Valley. Bringing the resources of NIC to the Silver Valley has been done in the past, but factors like lack of resource, closure of the building, and the compl- complications rather of COVID-19 caused the classes to end. The news press spoke with NIC Manager of Health Occupations, Workforce Training and Community Education, Marty Matney, about bringing courses back to the Silver Valley. Quote, at Workforce Training, we had a CNA class, a nursing assistant course, and a few other classes, and then campus closed, and we lost out. And we've always seen the need, Matney said. We were against some roadblocks and then hit COVID and then COVID hit. And that derailed us even more. Talks began with CEO Paul Lewis at Shoshone Medical Center eventually receiving support from the staff of local nursing homes, Mountain Valley of Cascadia and Kellogg, and the Silverwood Village in Silverton. Quote, Shoshone stepped up and gave us the space we needed, their community outreach center in Pinehurst. They gave us a hospital bed and what it really did was jumpstart this course, Matney said. He explained that to teach the class, NIC needs a minimum number of students for the course to run. Quote, we want to get the, we want to get students in the door so we can provide them with an education to get their career started and get them out into the healthcare field. This semester's course was taught by RN Susan Sparks, preparing the students to enter the workforce as healthcare professionals and prepping for the state exams to be placed on the Idaho Nurse Aid Registry. Quote, I've been particularly happy with our instructor, Sue Sparks, Matney said. I think she's just been the right person at the right time for us. The current class is now just wrapping up, but Batney and Shoshone Medical Center will be working together to provide more classes as soon as the resources are available. For more information on the upcoming classes and or, and if they are offered in the Silver Valley, visit nic.edu or call the NIC Workforce Training Center at 208-769-7704. All right, moving on. Final story for the day. News Press to host Silver Valley Community Christmas Telethon. I wrote this one myself. It may not be being broadcast over the radio anymore, but the Silver Valley Community Christmas Fund is continuing on at its new home. Brought to you by the Shoshone News Press and Dave Smith Chevrolet, readers and listeners far and wide are invited to be a part of the annual Silver Valley event on Wednesday, December 7th, by keeping an eye on the News Press Facebook page from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Going on 25 years now, the event has historically raised money to provide for local families that may have trouble putting dinner on the table this holiday season. In lieu of bringing people people on the radio, like KWAL's George White and Paul Robinson used to do when they first founded the fundraiser, staff will be conducting interviews that will be posted on the News Press Facebook page. In addition to raising money for a good cause, this year's telethon will be carried out in remembrance of one of those founders. Quote, our hearts are a little heavier this year. With the recent passing of local icon George White, we really want this year's fundraiser to be the biggest ever in his honor, said News Press local editor Josh McDonald. George was so instrumental in his involvement with the radio station as well as his passion for his community, we just want to be a part of something that he would be proud of, which is why we're setting our goal for this year at $25,000, which would be the highest total we've ever reached. The telethon is set to have a variety of guests that will stop by to entertain and challenge others to donate. All donors are encouraged to stop by the news press office and visit with staff and other contributors. 
Phone operators at the news press office will also be ma- taking making calls to folks in the community and asking for any sort of donation for the cause. The money raised for the event goes toward purchasing food vouchers for local families that may have trouble putting dinner on the table this holiday season. These vouchers can be used at specific local grocery stores that include Yolks in Kellogg, Barney's Harvest Foods in Pinehurst, Grocery Outlet in Smelterville, IGA in Osborne, and Harvest Foods in Wallace. If there's any money left over after all the voucher requests have been filled, the remainder is donated to the Osborne-based Meals on Wheels program foundation. When the news press hosted the event for the first time in 2018, the event raised north of $20,000, far surpassing the initial goal of $15,000. Event organizer and Shoshone County clerk Tammy Lewis Eberhard said that the organizers were able to raise more than $24,000 in contributions last year, enabling them to provide meals for 1,046 people in the Silver Valley. Quote, we also donated $7,000 to our Silver Valley Meals on Wheels program, which provides home-delivered meals to our senior citizens, she added. Your contributions made all of this possible, and I'm hoping that you will help us achieve great success in 2022. If you would like to donate to the cause, contact the News Press office on Wednesday, December 7th, between the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. at 208-752-1120, or call the county clerk's office at 208-752-1264. The News Press office is located at 620 East Mullen Avenue in Osborne. Donations can also be mailed to the Shoshone County Clerk's office at 700 Bank Street, Suite 120, Wallace, Idaho, 8388. Uh, 83873 checks should be made out to dave smith christmas fund it's a good time folks uh been hosting that with the silver valley when i was out in shoshone for quite some time uh, once we took that over from k wall it's been a fun time every year uh maybe josh mcdonald gets his beard shaved once again uh, if somebody is willing to pitch in the money to do it uh gotta raise those funds folks All right. Once again, we'd like to thank the English Funeral Home for sponsoring this episode. To learn more about them, visit www.englishfuneralchapel.com. You can also call them at 208-773-3425 for the Post Falls location or 208-664-3143 for the Coeur d'Alene location. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening in. We really appreciate it. Once again, please subscribe or follow us on any podcatcher or music app that you listen in on. If you're interested in the stories we talked about today or the ones we did not, check us out at www.cordelainepress.com, showshownewspress.com, bonnercountydailyb.com, or thebonnersferryherald.com. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening in, and we'll see you on Friday.